When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. It's exhausting in the, in the sense that, you know, you got to be on top of it and you got to be thinking about it the whole time. I mean, everything, every, every single thing, the lines, the this, the that. But it's very comfortable because, especially this character, because he's so charming that you just kind of have to kind of be like that for a while, you know? And it's great because when you're charming, people are really nice back to you always, you know? On Better Call Saul, Tony Dalton plays cartel leader Lalo Salamanca. He's a cold-blooded killer, but he's also a charmer with a big smile. And perhaps that's what makes him the scariest of all. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, Better Call Saul baddie Tony Dalton talks about the flair he brings to playing Lalo on the show, and also doing something a bit different with Hawkeye. But first, our Award Circuit Roundtable discusses the return to Emmy season and the ridiculous number of premieres in the coming weeks. It's all next on this edition of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Tis the season to be Emmy, everyone. You like that? That's how I opened it. That's how I opened this entire season. I regret it already. <laughs> fa la 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 <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm uh, Variety TV editor Michael Schneider, along with Emily Longaretta, who is joining us, who already is kicking ass, taking taking names, taking no names. I don't know how that works. She takes all the names. So many names. I'm taking so many names. (laughs) And Emily is our, what is your title again, Emily? It is Senior TV Features Editor. It's a, I knew it was a long one. I was going to tangle it. So. <laughs> it's a mouthful. But uh, Emily is busy with our Emmy issues right now as we speak, in addition to our reality impact report that just came out. Uh, a lot going on, so we'll get into that. Also, back, our Artisans Guru. That's your official title, right, Jazz? <laughs> Artisans Guru? Absolutely. Jazz Tanke is back in the house. <laughs> yes. And the executive senior editor of All <laughs> Things <laughs> Award, <laughs> my Mr. Ti- Clayton Davis. My title is uh, senior vice president of janitorial services. <laughs> I take care of all the cleanup around here. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yep. Can I just say something? Yeah. I'm American now, by the way. You are. Oh. She's a citizen. Congratulations, Jazz. Senior American editor. Like, wait, yeah, yeah, American. What? What? It, give me a question on the test. I bet you I can't answer it. I'm gonna be stupid. Go. Uh, what was Susan Anthony known for? Uh, being on the coin. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, what I you would guess. fail. Yeah. Wait, that's super. Like, like that's was she so just known specific. for? Yeah. That's oh a- yeah. <laughs> He looked at me and was like, I'm going to ask you the Susan Anthony question. I was so, like, uh, this is, obviously, this is for Mike and not for me and Emily at all. So, what is the answer? Uh, Isn't it, you know, so Mike knows. She was it, it'd be suffrage. 
It's famous for, for civil suffrage, rights right? And yeah. Fighting for women's rights. Yeah. Those are the only two acceptable answers. If I said she was on a coin, they would be like, no, that's not correct. <laughs> I feel like most Americans could not pass that test, yeah. to be honest. No, that is true. Like, that is true. And that's BS. <laughs> that's a terrible question. Ridiculous. Anyway. So what are we doing? TV's over, right? Well, well, season? <laughs> welcome to Emmy season, everyone. So there are literally a hundred shows just scripted. There's more unscripted, but a hundred shows either premiering or returning in April and May. A hundred on top of the hundreds that have already come before. So there's a lot going on, gang. I'm exhausted already. <laughs> Can any of these break through at this point? Or is it just a, a, a noise? And at the end of the day, it's still going to be sort of the, the stalwarts, the, the ones that we've already watched, that we've already talked about for months, that mm. have, have the edge. Uh, Mike, I think it was around this time last year, probably earlier uh, than this actual moment, that we were like, Kaylee Cuoco is going to win an Emmy this year. It's going to be really good for her. Flight attendant's going to do some damage. And then we heard about a little show called Hacks. Yeah, yeah. That came in and just Gene smarted the season. Hacks, <laughs> you know? hacks all the competition. <laughs> and, and and by the way, still stand by it. I think nearly won, nearly nearly lost comedy series. Yeah, Hacks. I think just narrowly lost it. So I think there is potential for something to break through but it looks like we kind of have the field yeah like looked at ish yeah because i mean they're still surprising us with last minute launches it's like guys it is late april and we're still getting announcements for may launches which is the the new streaming era where you can just bring a surprise yeah we launch <laughs> You know, you don't have to, you know, inform TV Guide a month beforehand that this show's premiering <laughs> and everyone knows. It's, you know, it's 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 chaos, I tell you. Well, yeah, I mean, Mike, you and I are in the thick of working on a summer preview and it's like people are like, oh, yeah, we have these 10 shows premiering in two weeks. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what are these? So, yeah. yeah, there's just no they don't they don't want to give any heads up. And who knows what one of those could be the one we're all talking about. My favorite fact, though. Is that especially in limited series, which is always like the the big uh, like where the plethora of riches are. We are currently I'm tracking 55 limited series that will be submitted. We need five more to get to 60, and then we'll allow six nominees this year for the Emmys instead of five. So I wonder if there are people who are just going to drop some nonsense <laughs> or submit something <laughs> so they get a better shot at getting nominated. Cause you, if anything below 60, you get five nominees in the best limited series category and the over 60, you get well over 60 between 60 and 80, I think is six. Yeah. Through TV Academy math, which we're journalists. So I don't know what, how they expect us to ever keep track of these. Numbers. I mean, we, we could just do a TikTok series right now on this call. <laughs> And just drop it and just help them out a little bit. Is this where, Clayton, you dance and then you point at the different, like, facts about, like, the, the, the tallies? Yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. This is it. <laughs> Whatever yes. that was. Yeah. Um, no one can see that anyway. No, I, just, no. I, just, I, just, I just fist bumped, essentially. Um, but, yeah. Like, yeah. I wonder. But I think there is, like, something. Wait, I, I, I just think it would be silly. You're that close. I think someone's going to drop, like, a couple series. 
Well, Emily, you did uh, sort of the 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 early uh, you know take on some of the key stories to look at this season for our, our Emmy kickoff issue uh, a couple weeks ago. So, kind of kind of refresh our memories on on some of the things that uh, you've been taking a look at. Yeah, I mean, I think limited series and true crime series, some some true crimes are obviously drama, but some, most are limited, that we are seeing is going to be like the big thing we're seeing. I feel like the true stories this year have are such, there's such great content with them. I mean, we've, there's so many that are based on a true story that also have premiered a long time ago that I feel like people are forgetting. So I hope that that doesn't, you know, have that negative impact, which we've seen so many times, but I just could see so many of these um, true crime. That's like the big thing to start kind of taking, taking over this year, which I'm excited about. Yeah, there is a ton. And like the scam, the scam artists slash, you know, obviously the murder mystery has always been there, but this is like a whole other, a whole other beast with that, um, for drama. Yeah. I was about to say no one dies in the scam ones, but actually people do die in the scam ones. (laughs) People totally die in the scam ones. There's their souls. Yeah. Yeah. It's not necessarily murder, but there's still, still ramifications on all of these. Totally. And I mean, I think it's also, I feel like squid game, it seems like it's been 10 years since the game came out because of the world we're living in. So I'm, everyone's like, Oh, well that's, that's obviously going to be a big lead. We know that. I mean, we saw it at SAG, but I, I just keep being like, is it, is it going to be, do people, do people remember squid game? Like I feel like things so much has come out since then. Yeah. That feels like five strains of the pandemic ago, yeah. which is how we <laughs> measure time now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That, that was pre Omicron, but also oh, that, that. That, that, that's how Ted Lasso felt like getting into totally. the later part of last year. Yeah. We were just like, God, the last one was like 30 years ago, which probably like fed into the hacks rise, you know, said lasso uh, kind of scraping by. But uh, yeah, like everything time is so relative now, but also because there's so much TV, um, I think the voters are just watching less. So even if it was 10 years ago, like how much are how much is piling on top of that really? You know, we like to hope they're watching as much as possible, but. Well, I feel like Yellow Jackets and Succession were like five strains of whatever COVID like ago. And but still people are definitely talking about Yellow Jackets. They're discovering it, which is what we're April. When did the show drop in December? And I'm seeing November. Yeah. November. And then God knows when Succession aired. But there's still, you know. The, the succession hive on Twitter, I think, are keeping that alive. And, yeah, I mean, there's stuff there's stuff out there. I don't know. Yeah, Squid Game, again, seems like an eternity. HBO's good at this. They, they, they yeah. will always remind people that succession exists. <laughs> well, and succession sort of just, it transcends a lot now. It's it's so part of the zeitgeist, and it's the incumbent. It's it sort of just feels like it's, it's a lot more unstoppable on the drama side than maybe Ted Lasso on the comedy side. Which oh, for sure. There's, there's mm. so many contenders this year. Blood bath. I was going to say comedy is, I mean, this it's so intense. And I feel like I, I, we wrote this in our preview and I know a couple of our staffers have also like brought this up and how interesting it is that the past couple of years, obviously it's been like those feel good comedies. Like we had Schitt's Creek and then Ted Lasso. And now it's like, Atlanta is back and that's a whole different kind of comedy. And will, will that break through again for, you know, and then, or will, will we see Abbott elementary break through and be, 
you know, take that, take that spot. Uh, I mean, holding up the broadcast over there. Um, cause of course, Blackish is also competing one last time. So I'm ge- very curious what we'll see there. Cause that is such a, such a tight race. I've enjoyed the Abbott Elementary like renaissance that it's on right now. The rise, the, the, the oh, rise. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it is. I'm telling you, like feel good. Not even just feel good shows, but feel good stories that transcend the show. It's just like we we now live in a world where Quinta Brunson exists in our lives, and it's just a good world to live in. Like Such I'll take it. I'll take, I'll take it every time. Yeah, and it's on so ABC. It's on a broadcast network. What have yeah. I been telling yeah. you guys? These broadcast networks. <laughs> do not sleep on a broadcast network. I'm gonna. I am the the voice of that. I, oh, a- Emily was celebrating when they picked up Blue Bloods the other day. I had a party. <laughs> Guys, I'm moving to LA in two days, and I literally am like, okay, but Friday night I need to be home because I need to watch Blue Bloods, so I need to find someone with a TV since my furniture won't be there yet. Um, well, and to say, like, you know, I, I was talking to Mike about this recently. Uh, in the comedy category specifically, we've got we've gotten dangerously close to a, a broadcast show not making the Emmy lineup. We've had like one, and and like serendipity just helps and and the way the the season shift good place got in on its final year you know like and abbott elementary especially has black it's in, and that got in by the way when blackish didn't because blackish missed for like two years so now that blackish is on its way out abbott elementary comes in and i think could really represent for broadcasts and maybe i don't know if it could do like a modern family type of run but i think it can really be like listen we're on board with abbott and, well, and, and it's and it's a good story to keep it alive. Dare dare we guess that uh, you know ghosts could also sneak in there, and we could have two broadcast comedies? Yeah, I mean, maybe I wouldn't be surprised. I I would I I wouldn't say count it out. Like I don't think it's not not a possibility. Yeah, I mean they're pushing it hard, and it is also part of the zeitgeist. Um, I mean, it'd be wild to see a CBS comedy. Um, back in the, uh, comedy contention, which it's it's you know it's been a moment. Yeah, it's it's Big Big Bang Theory was the last time they had something in there. By the way, you know, like like something like Fox. Fox hasn't had one since Glee. Wow, it's like it just it's a really like long time. Right, right. Since, like, and was that really a comedy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. The first season was anyway. Was the first season was, <laughs> and it got really really serious about stuff um but no i I think it can really um i i think there is i think there is a hunger i guess to as i guess the narrative of like you know we have to save movie theaters i think there's a similar narrative like we have to save broadcast television i know that like streamers are here and like you know no one has a TV set and, and or or an antenna or however they watch you know whatever you know I think the cable conversation is maybe a separate conversation from broadcast yeah if that makes sense I would agree and I mean we're also seeing with this is us I mean could this you know this is us maybe the last the last drama on broadcast that we see for a while if this is us even gets nominated I mean we don't know there's so many great dramas I don't know if it's gonna sneak in. Drama's really top heavy this year. Like it, there isn't it isn't deep like comedy, but it's the fact that this is a still feels like a bubble is like, oh, like it should be uh higher, I guess, on the list. I mean, maybe or maybe this is a return of Law and Order. Maybe Law and Order makes its roaring comeback. <laughs> I'm sorry. <Yeah. laughs> I'm campaigning, yes, a thousand percent. 
You know, it's funny. Um, Law and Order used to be like a consistent nominee back in the day, back when it was just the broadcast yeah. networks, and it was much mm-hmm. easier for shows to to sneak in. Remember those years of Mariska Hargitay just like taking spots, like every year, just getting nominated. It didn't even matter. So yeah, I mean, listen, I I, I think we, I think someone is there even new drama shows like getting coming in the next month is that part of the hundred uh, on broadcast i mean particularly mike uh, a little show called stranger things returns i'm, uh, I'm, in a, I'm on broadcast, <laughs> you oh, broadcast. broadcast. <laughs> oh you're saying broadcast sorry yeah um no not on broadcast because broadcast you, you they're they're wrapping the season up and yeah. and because they're on a weekly cycle even if they were to launch something now uh the, the dangling episodes rule would mean that it probably would fall under next season consideration rather than this season so but. maybe maybe that bodes well for 911 and the cleaning lady <laughs> you know what fox is pushing hard on the cleaning lady they, they want, are. It is they want it bad they are really really pushing i i moderated a conversation for the academy for for the show it's a good show i'm not i'm very impressed by a lot of the talent on the show but it's just i just don't know who's watching it i don't know who's talking about i don't see anyone talking about it ever and the competition's just too much. I just don't see. Do Fox shows stream on Hulu right after? The next day. The next day? So people could watch it. So it's, it's like, it's yeah. Just, yeah. All right. Because I, I guess Fox is like, uh, feels like lost in this shuffle right now of the broadcasters. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, listen, you could be the CW and that could be a lot worse That's for true. you. <laughs> right. At least Fox has, well, they have animation. So, you know, they do have animation. The, 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 yep. the Simpsons uh, is still in the mix. So there's the potential to win there. 911 and 911 Lone Star both have great audiences. They, oddly enough, have not been renewed yet, which is a strange, a strange thing. I just oh, have they not? Sa- I think they're, uh, my guess is that they're saving it for upfronts to have something not, you know, because I remember back in the day when all the renewals were announced at upfronts and not months ahead of time. <laughs> so I think they maybe Fox wants one. One renewal to announce. Um, yeah. The damn TV reporters always <laughs> breaking the news, Mike. <laughs> I'm sure we will see more 911, though. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, do we think that uh, Mass Singer just gave up any chance of an Emmy after uh, yeah. last week's uh, casting of a. Uh, they had to. Of a, a certain uh, American traitor. Well, <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't even worth it ratings wise. No one cared. Right. No. It did the opposite. No one wanted to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah. wants to watch that? Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. There, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like that leaves the door do- wide open for RuPaul's Drag Race and any other show to come in. I mean, RuPaul's already gonna like win, clean okay. up, and you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I maybe there should be. I mean, dare I say, should should there be sort of a, a limit to how many like Emmys? Because it is nice to mix things up in all these categories and. Yeah. Because voters tend to uh, award the same show year after year, maybe it would be nice to see some fresh blood and, and see see some mixing up. But I don't know how you would do that, and it, that really wouldn't be fair. So I guess I answered my own question. Yeah. I mean, listen, we, we, we spoke about – oh, God, here we go again. We spoke about this last year. A good way to fix this problem is all first-year shows – don't compete in the top categories. Start a outstanding new series category. Let them compete there and then let everyone else go in the top categories. With every category, with every genre in that one. So limited drama, comedy, everything all under new comedy. Like like the Grammys does Best New Artist. Kind of. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the the problem with then not allowing them to compete in the regular categories, a lot of times it, these new shows are the best shows of the year. First yeah, year of true. ER, yeah, first yeah. year of, you know, fill in the blank. Like, they deserve that that big award. And sometimes that's that's the only time that they win the award because they're sure. the, the hot thing the first year and then they kind of settled in. Then you have your sophomore slump. Yeah, so they, there's, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is there. But yeah. They miss, see, I, I that's my correction to get new girl and Emmy. Cause that first season of new girl is perfection and they just didn't allow it to go the way. Well, I do think there should be a retroactive Emmy, like oh, maybe yes. one category every year where they nominate like Ooh. here folks who rerun never... category. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. By that's really You get like, uh, really you brilliant. know, Carell, his Emmy. <laughs> you get like, you know, the shows the that good fight, it's Emmy. Yeah, we're we're missed the first time around where it's like oops. There's something to that, Mike. Oh god, you got the wheels turning. Oh crap. I, I feel like I need to write this as a column. Uh, I, know, I, know, yeah. Yeah. I got I got go a column in me. Here we go. I'm making I'm making room in the E. We're we're moving something out of the E. You heard it here first, kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people are gonna argue like just it's the lifetime achievement award, isn't it? Kind of in a way. Like yeah, but that generally are people who have already received a number of Emmys. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. It's, and that's it's, a person, not a show. Yeah. Okay. There's some sad, though. Okay. <laughs> Jazz, what's sort of the... I mean, I feel like music continues to be the hot story in, in the artisan's world. It's it's maybe... Or is it just something that we're all so excited to talk about? Um, but oh, oh, my gosh. Um, the music supervisors this year have done such an incredible job with their needle drops. I mean... Russian Doll season two, going back to the eighties, Yellow Jackets. I mean, that soundtrack was amazing. Um, Nick, you know, the score to Succession season three, even like Squid Game, all of them. I mean, like music has been incredible. We also had Schmigadoon and the After Party. I will give that a shout out because of yeah. Clayton, number one <laughs> fan. Um, but I just feel like the the original and um, you know. So, like the needle drops were so good. Yeah. Um, I don't feel though that there's a, so last year we had Agatha all along um, from one division. I don't feel there is that one standout song this year. I feel like there's many, right? I mean, I mean, not you already brought up I me mean, after party. There is a very, very good song that is sung by uh, Mr. Ben Schwartz that will get him his Emmy nomination. Yeah. So, I mean, but yes, there really is, there isn't as, but it's not like yeah, playing which, on which, the radio. Which song, by the way? Cause, cause there uh, are. Kind of... the, the, um, oh God, the one when he's standing on the, the, the table and. Or, yeah. I, it's like, like the, the, you only get one shot twice. You only get one shot. Yeah. 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 Cause I agree. That's my favorite song from the, the show, but yet the one that we all remember, of course, is how great is this party? Like yeah. that line, mm. like, you know, that it's because it becomes like a pivotal line in the entire series. Yeah. And and I wonder have have the Emmys ever done musical performances during the telecast? Yeah. Yeah. When's when's the last time? Do you, I I don't remember. I I don't remember either, but they 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 have in the past. Oh, okay. I'm just thinking like that would be like a good but if they didn't do it last year for Agatha all along, it's kind of stupid to do it now. Well, I don't think so. Or or or, or, re or retroactive. Yeah. Bring, her, bring her back the rerun. Get Catherine Hahn. You didn't give her an Emmy last year. Monsters. <laughs> um, so now uh, get her to sing. I think maybe what they should do is uh, like 
perform like the theme songs on the show like like Ooh. do that as like a, oh i love that you could even do it there like as just like a medley but here are the 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 theme songs nominated this year and and have some fun with that yeah succession <laughs> that's not, that's the way that goes right the opening <laughs> of that? Yeah. clayton can perform it he's yeah. putting his name in right now yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. him sing, singing that over and over again yeah i'm just gonna sing that <laughs> make up lyrics every everything under the banner of heaven from the rooftop <laughs> of what's that theater called the crypto arena now it's yeah. not the staples oh, yeah anymore. yeah i i miss this i miss theme songs though i feel like it's so rare now that shows have good like opening and now yeah. it's just it's just music really it's well, not it's it's, se- it's title sequences that's what they, yeah. they really lean into like the music and like all the gra- like the american horror story i think like started yes. that because it was awesome but like it started of a course. trend and then that's yeah. what a, lot I dra- a lot of broadcast dramas i mean no obviously also streaming and cable but a lot of broadcast dramas don't even have anything they just have the name the name comes out. like a second right yeah like, like yeah i mean of course my go-to in my mind is always like one Chicago shows and they have just the title just shows up. There's nothing else. Like SVU still has an opening law and order still has the opening because they have such an iconic song that they yeah. can't take that out. Yeah. I don't think there's any dramas really. Like I'm really going through the list here and I don't think there's nothing I can like that's standing. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's the way it goes. Well, Cause yeah, you're right. You remember like the, 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 the visuals, the title sequence yeah. on, totally. on like severance, but they're all sort of yes. the same sort of haunting melodies mm-hmm. that all kind of, come together that's gonna be a good race this year jazz by the way the uh, yeah. title design category is gonna be pretty oh, like so good. Yeah. Blood, there's so many bath. good ones yeah but is this our plea for like the main title song to come back yes. right here yeah i want i want the face of the actor and the name i want like old school <laughs> yeah. to come back i want my growing pains like yeah. intro again that used to be my jam i want some good uh age like you know morphine <laughs> Get to see wow, what they look like, like in this picture. I mean, like Fuller House did it amazing a couple of years ago. What about the theme songs that describe the entire, like, uh, the, the premise of the show? Just <laughs> the, the lyrics explain to you what this show is, who the characters are. I love that. Yeah, like, like the Brady Bunch <laughs> yeah. or, or the Nanny. Yeah, <laughs> like the, that's true. It's like, okay, I get the premise now. Thank you, yeah. opening title <laughs> sequence, for telling me what this show is about. Yeah. M- miss opportunity on Kevin can F himself. That could have been a really, really good opportunity to yeah. like, give it all. And give it to Annie, Annie Murphy singing it again. Totally missed opportunity. Yeah. God, we should be we should be producers. Yeah, because I was gonna say you know what you could do like on a serialized show every week the theme song just recaps the previous episode. Oh, so instead of watch- instead of the previously on, which so, some yeah. shows still do. Yeah, yeah. So kind yeah. of ga- so Game of Thrones style with the map, but you like say the stuff okay yeah yeah and it rhymes and it's like catchy but at the same time it also fills you in on oh yeah that's right that happened yeah that would be required for Grey's anatomy (laughs) 13 seasons ago on Grey's anatomy (laughs) here you go (laughs) well especially this year with all these shows coming back after you know three four years being gone atlanta barry stranger things like yeah like like where what happened who are these characters again what were they up to why why are they not together anymore like all the things we needed to know we need to institute a rule about hiatuses you get one year off max and if you and if you come well, back I after i think they get a pass with the with the with the pandemic i think we need to give a little leeway there pandemic's over emily have you seen 
Uh, well, I also wanted to give a shout out before we move on from music um, that the Challenge All Stars was nominated for a Guild Award for music supervision, and now they're going for and now they're going for the Emmy for it. And I will say, I know people, you know, frown on that, but it's such a the music is so incredible. So anyone who's watching it will know. And I, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm pushing for that music supervision for the Challenge. Listen, I am I am catching up with uh, Real, Real World Homecoming right now, and it is. It's just nostalgia, man. I just miss my youth. Totally. I miss. Totally. I miss. I, I miss the day I saw the episode of Tammy and David. Like, yeah. Like I just miss. I miss the first time. I just remember watching and be like, "Oh my god." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing a big push for that. They're big, doing a big push for All Stars, Challenge Spies, Lies, and Allies, and Real World Homecoming, and it's they're like grouping them all together. But there's so many. I think Real World Homecoming realistically has the best luck of their best chance of pushing through probably yeah there there's the the nostalgia attached yeah. to it um all right so before we wrap this week uh let's go around the the horn I'm, I'm curious the the show that you've watched recently that uh uh sort of either impressed you or you you're sort of thinking like you're hoping are is in the hunt well, I was going to say thanks to Clayton's tweet on, I think it was Saturday night or Friday night about Captive Audience, a real American horror story. I tuned into that and I am old enough to remember the series. I know my first name is Stephen. I don't know why I was allowed to watch that when I was way underage, but it <laughs> creeped me out. But anyway, this documentary is on Hulu. Um, it's a three-parter, and it follows that story of um, Stephen being kidnapped. Oh, wait, wait, and- wait. And can I say, if you don't know the story, like Clayton, because he I guess he wasn't old enough, uh, <laughs> actually, I just don't remember it. Don't look up the case. Just exactly. watch the show. Okay, I have no idea what you're talking about, and I'm so excited to it's watch bananas. it. It's bananas. It's so good. Go in blind, and like the twists and the turns, you'll just sit there. A, you'll be freaked out, but B, it's just so well done. Um, so that's my that's what I watched. Emily, oh my god, it reminds me of I can't remember the name of the stupid uh, Netflix series with the the couple and the guy starts sleeping with the guy, and he's married. He's like, oh, we started sleeping with each other. And like they were both sleeping with like it was like a con artist thing. It might like oh my god, oh, what's the name <laughs> of that stupid docu series? Like not Tinder Swindler. No, it was like a year or two ago, and it was a, a married couple, man and a woman, and then some guy started like staying with them, and then he started sleeping with the wife, and then later on the husband started sleeping with him too, <laughs> and it's what? like it has that kind of jaw dropping like twists and turns. What is that? I will, I will, look, I will look it up. Wait, will, Dirty John? Dirty John? Wait, no, not Dirty John. No, 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 no not Dirty Clay, John. Clayton's just imagining things. Now. No, I'm not. So. I'm gonna, I, I will tell <laughs> He's you after this. About this I did then. it. It's a show. <laughs> all right, all right. So, what's your show, Clayton? I, I, I mean, it's captive audience was like the the big thing I watched over the weekend. I'm doing the big binge right now because I didn't watch anything during Oscar season because um, nothing was happening. Uh, I I am just uh, I just wrapped on Abbott Elementary fully. I got I finished it out and it's so great. Yeah. Um I started uh Hacks season 2 doing its thing. Uh and uh I started Ghosts and I Ghosts is very charming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, a, it's a charmer. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a fun, like, uh, I think they were saying on, uh, pe- people were talking about this on Twitter, it's it's sort of a Cheers-esque kind of feel, just the, the character. Yeah, the- I, can, I can see that. How many episodes are they, did they go with that? I think 18. <sighs> see? That's, and- that's like old school. It's like I know. TV the way it used to be. I, I was, I had an argument with a friend about this once, about like, he argued that, that why, that's why broadcasts is in the place it is today. The 22 episode arc doesn't work. And I, and I was like, comedies, it works dramas. It's garbage. Like it (laughs) always was the, 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 like I I always said, that's the fall of scandal. Once you made it into over 20 episodes, it was just awful. But I, I, I can appreciate like longer seasons. Well, yeah, because comedy, especially you, you, you know, you eat them like candy. It's, it's like that's why The Office works at you know hundreds of episodes that people can binge, and and Ghost is kind of the same way. It's just easy to go down. You can watch multiple episodes at once. They don't necessarily connect with each other. They're just fun on their own. But if you're at home and and just watching TV, you could you know bounce them back to back. But Emily, how about you? Um, so one is not, I have two, one is not, I didn't watch recently, but I'm going to shout it out anyways, because I feel like people frown on Dr. Death and don't give it the attention it needed because maybe people didn't get the chance to see it because it was on Peacock. Um, and I don't know if people are, unfortunately, I just don't think the audience is there for that. Uh, but incredible performances all around. So that's my one shout out. And then my other one is coming in May, a show that's snuck in a little bit. It's coming late. We, I just watched the first couple episodes of The Staircase and Colin Firth, blew my mind and i'm so excited for people to watch this on par with the doc on par with the doc i will say i hadn't watched the doc so i went back and watched it after oh. the first episode because oh. i was like oh I and so now i'm kind of you know um you're but, tainted <laughs> yeah a little bit uh but him and tony collette and it's i will just say a warning it's much more violent and bloody than i thought it was going to be really Yes. Well, I mean, I mean, it has to be, I guess, because of the yes. case. But. And, but, but I think that it could, I think it could sneak in because it, they do a really great job with it. And uh, I will just say, we mentioned Barry earlier. Um, that show was also off the air for a long period of time, and they managed to come back, and they've just knocked it out of the park so far. Uh, it's stunning to see the direction they're going now. Now that the the truth is out between. Uh, you know, Bill Hader's character and Henry Winkler's character and to see, you know, the the kind of acting that Henry's having to do right now as Cousineau, uh sort of is is fascinating. And uh, the new relationship that Noho Hank has uh, with Michael Irby's character, there's just a lot of fun, interesting places. Stephen Root continues to like just knock it out of the park. Sarah Goldberg is fantastic as well as as she's turning into this monster of a star who maybe doesn't want to be a star after all. There, there's there's a lot going on this season and and they're doing such a great job. So shout out to Barry. Is this an accurate uh, uh, my accurate um, or the way I describe Sarah Goldberg's character? She's totally the Rita of Barry right now, like of Rita the first three seasons of Dexter, mm-hmm. of like <laughs> like. Like I feel like I I'm I'm like wanting her character to go, but then when she does go, I'm like I'm gonna cry. Like when it happens, big like, damn! I wish that into existence. <laughs> Cause, and, and that that's not to say I 
Sarah Goldberg is amazing in it, but the character itself kind of is a grating character by nature. So I just wonder uh, where they're going to take her. And uh, Anthony Carrigan, by the way, on that show is my Max Greenfield of the yeah. new girl on. Yeah. Like, I, like, I think he's the epitome of a great supporting actor and I want him to have his moment. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's let's get uh, Noho Hank out there. Let's get some some gold for Noho Hank. He, he deserves it. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, I think that wraps up uh, week one. We only have uh, you know hundred weeks to go, um, but <laughs> we'll uh, we'll be in person next week, which means uh, we'll get to make fun of each other in person. It'll be great. It'll be fun. So, thanks everyone. After the break, Better Call Saul and Hawkeye star Tony Dalton. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. All right, it's spoiler alert time. But if you're a true Better Call Saul fan, you already know what's up. We're still in mourning following the death of Nacho, played by Michael Mando on episode three. Nacho was desperate to get out of the cartel game, but it was just too late for him. And sadly, his part in the assassination attempt against Lalo failed at the end of season five. And now he was on the lam. Both the Salamancas and Gus Fring's crew were out to end him. And eventually, well, he found a way to finish the job. Meanwhile, Lalo, played by Tony Dalton, is also on the run, presumed dead by authorities. But in the season opener, he calls his uncle, Hector, to tell him he's alive. And he knows who to blame for the attempt on his life. Hello, Casa Tranquila. Buenas tardes, recepción. I'm sorry, let me get someone who speaks Spanish. Oh, no, no, no problem. I would just like to speak to one of your residents, if I may. Hector, are you awake? You have another telephone call. Tío. Tío, me escucha. Reconoce mi voz. Le dijeron sobre el atentado, tío. Sigan pensando que estoy muerto, tío. Mejor así. Tío, fue el pollero. Ese cobarde. Se quedó ahí sentado en el norte. Mientras sus matones entraron a mi casa. ¡A mi casa, tío! Que se chingue bolsa, que se chingue el adio, porque voy para el norte. Y lo voy a lastimar, los voy a lastimar como usted me dijo, y después lo voy a matar, tío. ¿Qué pasa, tío? Hector. Excuse me, I'm so sorry, but Hector seems a little upset. Yeah, sorry, um, I'm just, I'm sharing a bit of family news, some good, some bad. Would you mind putting him back on? It'll only be a minute. Of course. 
It's been a big year for Tony Dalton, who played Jack in the 2021 Disney Plus series Hawkeye, in addition to returning finally to the role of Lalo as season six of Better Call Saul got underway. I recently spoke to Dalton about the charm behind Lalo, as well as the fact that so many people assumed that Jack was a villain on Hawkeye, and they were all so very wrong. We talked about the scare on the Saul set after Bob Odenkirk's heart attack, and also what the endgame might be for the show. But uh, of course, we began by just talking about how excited it is for the show to be back i couldn't wait for it to happen i mean uh, we were we were kind of on hiatus for a while so you never knew when we were going to get actually back to work but i mean i knew it was coming i just didn't know when so it was great that we were able to uh, get this thing done during the pandemic you know i mean it was no small feat to do that no, and and uh, to to kind of get back in that mind frame of the most charismatic, scariest uh, character I think on television right now. It's that's great. I mean, we when we last left Lalo, he had just escaped what seemed to be insurmountable odds, uh, and um, lived to tell the tale. But uh, you know kind of, you know, when he realized that it was Nacho who wasn't there and who clearly was the inside mole, there's that moment of realization. And and we sort of, we left it at that. So kind of remind everyone where things left off with you and your character uh, since it's been a while, since we have to kind of get back into the, the mindset now of, of where, where Saul picks up. Yeah, I mean... I don't know, Lalo was, uh, he'd already left everybody alone and gone back home and somebody came and, uh, you know, tried to kill him and all of his people, which they pretty much did, except for him. So he's, uh, he's in a war path. He's, he's pissed. Yeah. Could be, I guess, a lot less smiling this season, a lot more just out for revenge, <laughs> out for justice, <laughs> Lalo style. You know what? You're absolutely right. It's a lot less smiley. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't be smiling if you take it also. I mean, this, um, this, this thing that happened to this character was, uh, you know, sort of very shocking for him. He never saw it coming. So, you know, he kind of jumped on that bandwagon of uh, Uncle Hector hating Gus Spring so much. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's on it. He's on that. And he can move, so uh, he's got vengeance in his eyes. And that's terrifying for everyone else involved, all the other characters. Um, one of the other things that we still remember from last season is, of course, the the give and take between you as Lalo and Ray Seahorn as Kim. And that scene, I still think about just the the, the back and forth between these two uh, sort of, uh, you know, playing a little game of chicken to some degree. Uh, sure. And and that's that that still is one of those like you know moments in TV that you you don't forget. So, kind of tell me a little bit about you know, what else we should expect as as we head into this new season, and and um, you know what uh, you're excited for people to see. Well, I mean, I just I think that people are not. No matter what they think is going to happen, they have no idea what these guys wrote. It's really something else. I mean, it's really impressive. 
and it's great to be part of it. And I think that people are going to, um, they're going to love it. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, this is the last season. So, you know, there's no, they pulled all the stops out. You know? it's, yeah. uh, it's all in, you know, let's burn the house down, literally. And that's kind of a little bit what happens, you know. I mean, they just really make sure that no stone is left unturned. And I mean, look, there were some episodes that I read that had me jumping up and down in the in the, in the place that I got in uh, in Albuquerque from how much of a cliffhanger this some of these things were, or some of these moments, or some of these episodes were. I mean, it's super exciting to see that how these guys are. Uh, how it's going to you know pan out and. Because one thing is reading it, the other thing is filming it, and the other thing is watching it, you know? I mean, like, for example, even that last scene when you see Lalo walking on the gravel and that gravel turns into sort of thunder. Mm-hmm. I mean, that wasn't written in the script, you know? That was something that came up in, in post. And it really just kind of encapsulates that moment so well, you know? I mean, it was, it was brilliant that these guys went to the gravel and made this storm coming, yeah. you know? So, I mean... I'm sure there's going to be a lot of those that, 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 you know, that, that we read and that we act in them. But once you see it all edited and cut and music and everything, I mean, it's even the trailer. I mean, I thought the trailer was great. What did you, I don't know what you thought, but I mean, yeah. it, it nailed it, you know? Yeah, no, and it's it's a sign of I mean a group that's been a, together for so long now, and yeah. and you know you saw what they did with Breaking Bad, and you saw how they managed to land that show. It's so tough to land these shows, period. But they now have that experience, and I'm sure they really knew how to apply that to really find a way to land Better Call Saul. So yeah, I'm exactly. Curious pretty confident that uh, they, they know how to do that. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, for you, I mean, what were your, uh, you know, what, one of the famous things, of course, is that, you know, Lalo is mentioned in better in, in uh, Breaking Bad, but we never see him. So we, you know, it really is a mystery, um, you know, where this character goes. What were you sort of curious about and what were you sort of expecting going into seeing where this ended up? You know, I mean, it's hard to have expectations uh, about a character because, you know, you you have no control over it. So it's just like, I personally, I, what I knew is that I was in good hands, but I really didn't have any expectations as to what was going to happen to my character or where that story was going to go. I was just kind of sitting back and, and reading what, what was coming up and how this thing was going to unfold, you know? Um, you, you don't, you get one episode at a time. So, it's not like you know what's going to happen. You read one one episode, and which is personally, I think, is great because it's sort of like you know, it's like life. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week, and that's kind of what happens when you're reading one of these episodes where you're one of these characters. You're like, I have no idea where this character is going or what's going to happen. But I mean, you know, I know what's going to happen in this episode, and I know what I can sort of bring to the table on this episode, but. And they'll let you know if you're going the wrong way, you know, if there's a little too much smiling or a little lack thereof. It doesn't matter, you know, they have the bigger picture. But you're just kind <laughs> of part of the paintbrush, you know. Do you ever get that note, the the, the too too much of a, a, a grin on Lalo? Not too much of a grin, but sometimes like even in this season, I there was uh there was one scene where I I I, I, I overly got excited, you know. Well the character did, and you know, the direction was not here. I mean, here's, he's a little, he's just going through the motions, which was great. And and when we did it, it's like, yeah, that's, that's, 
that's what we're here for. You know, you bring some stuff up, some come up, some they say no, some they say yes. And it's sort of this collaboration and creation of a story and of a character. Is it exhausting to play a, a, a character who's sort of that heavy and, and sort of that, you know, sort of powerful? Um, what's, what sort of goes into your mind as, as you sort of morph into Lalo? Well, I mean, it's, it, it's exhausting in the, in, the, in the sense that, you know, you got to be on top of it and you got to be thinking about it the whole time. I mean, everything, every, every single thing, the lines, the this, the that. But it's, it's very comfortable because, especially this character, I mean, because he's so charming that you just kind of have to kind of, just kind of be like that for a while, you know? And it's great because when you're charming, people are really nice back to you always, you know? And sometimes yeah. people are serious and you take things a little more seriously. But if you just have this sort of demeanor of Lalo where he just looks like he doesn't care about anything, Everyone's a little more happy around you, so it was it was it was actually a little bit like, I mean, educational for me. How much you can if you're just smiling around through life, people are a little more kind to you at the bank, at the supermarket, you know, and um, and Lalo's like that, you know, and he kind of taught me that a little bit. Well, when you're going out about your daily life as Tony Dalton, what do, what do you find uh, when you do run into people who you know are fans of of Saul or who maybe saw you on Hawkeye? Is is there a little bit of a pause? Like, what's what's the reaction like from from the fans out there? Um, I mean, I live in Mexico, so it's it's a little different here. There's not a lot of people that watch American yeah. TV. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I've gotten it a bit, you know. I mean, when I was in Atlanta filming the Marvel show, things like that. Also, everybody's wearing a mask these days. So um, you can get kind of get see it on on internet, but I don't really get into Twitter and that stuff that much. So I don't know. I mean, that's also one of the reasons why I live in Mexico, because you just kind of away from all that, you know? Yeah. Go there, do your job. I mean, I really appreciate that so many people are so, like, personally involved, fans about this. And they, I mean, I've gotten paintings that they've sent to me beautiful one from uh germany a guy did like a portrait of my face uh i mean of lalo you know yeah but and then he sent it to me and it's done it took him like a month and it's done on pencil i mean it's like wow that's really nice of somebody to do you know that's wild what, what'd you do with the the, the painting is it on your wall i have or? it downstairs but i don't have it hung up because i think it's weird <laughs> i mean it's not weird that he that he did it but it's weird for me to have a painting of myself like yeah. behind I, I'm just, I'm just not that guy. I mean, maybe one day I'll put it somewhere, but right now I don't really know where to put the thing, you know. But I mean, it is a painting of me done beautifully in um, in, uh, in pencil, you know. That's kind of hysterical, though. I never thought of like fans just sending you artwork like that. But that's... yeah, and something that took him so long because when he said when he was doing it, he kind of tagged me on Instagram, and I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" And he goes, "Well, I'll be done in about two weeks." I said, two weeks." Yeah, it's already taken me two weeks. I work uh, all day on this, but in two weeks, if you want, I can send it to you wherever you want. I was like, wow, sure, that'd be great. So he sent it to me. That's so funny. Well, speaking of sort of, uh, you know, so so you spent time in Atlanta for uh, Hawkeye, but then Albuquerque has become such a, you know, synonymous almost with the the, the Breaking Bad slash Saul world. What What is sort of that... Uh, community like of, of people who work on the show. I sense that everyone is is really tight. Just the 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 crew, the cast, uh, the fact that everyone sort of has this intense period of time together in Albuquerque. What what's what is that sort of 
like kind of jumping into that world and, and seeing that world? I mean, I've worked in a lot of different productions that have lasted a lot of many years, you know. Uh, you know, I did a show called Senor Avila, and we did that for about six years. It was only four seasons, but it was six years filming. And, um, you know, you get to know people and you get to know a crew and you get to know, you know, it's sort of like it becomes a family. But in, especially in, in the case of, uh, you know, Better Call Saul and, and, and Breaking Bad, that crew was, I mean, Peter and Vince just put together a bunch of people that was, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people throughout the years got fired because they weren't part of the, you know, perfect machinery that that crew ended up being. Everybody's nice. Everybody's cool about things. Everybody's uh, decent and they're, you know, they're, they're nice to work with and you talk to them and they're fun and they're interesting people and they've been doing this for 10 years now. I mean, most of them are all still there, you know? So it's, like you, you just jump into this like finely tuned machine and you just kind of don't make sure you don't want to get in you know get in the middle of it no i i imagine it's 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 so interesting to see people living together and and uh, i gotta imagine i don't know if were you were you uh in town when bob had his heart attack and yeah i think yeah we were all there yeah, yeah. so kind of describe to me sort of uh you know how you sort of uh you know uh, heard about it or, or sensed it and, and sort of what was that that experience like in, in seeing what was going on with the production? Um, you know, I think that uh, as far as, I mean, what I could, what I could if, I, if, I, if I would dare say anything, because I think that's something that is very personal. And I think it's something that, you know, I leave to Bob to talk about. But yeah. I mean, the response of the crew and the response of the, especially the, um, the, uh, the medical uh, assistant crew, that's Rosa that was there, I mean, on top of it. And thank God, because, uh, you know, Baba, I pulled, they pulled through and we're all good. And we all started working a couple months later and it just seemed like uh, everything was back to normal, which, I mean, it's amazing to think that how, you know, one person is just so essentially important to, and I mean, to an entire storytelling machine, you know what I mean? Like we had to just wait till he got better, which, I mean, thank God he was fine, and thank God nothing, you know, nothing permanent or anything bad like that happened. But um, just gives you sort of the importance of, you know, of what we're doing and of everybody being sort of okay and everybody being healthy and everybody being safe. And I don't know, you know. No, it was incredible to see sort of what he meant to people and also what the show means exactly. to people. And and you know, it was a real sort of uh, outpouring, which was nice, nice to see. Um. Talk a little bit about the Marvel universe and and Hawkeye and and uh, that that experience to to sort of be a part of the the MCU now. Now, um, obviously, you know there was a, a long period of time people were watching and they were bracing for for you to be the villain. And uh, I love that things sort of went a different direction. But what was sort of your uh, experience in in sort of getting to play in that world? Yeah, I was I was happy about that too. I was happy the fact that you know it wasn't again a villain, you know, and he ended yeah. up just being a nice guy who likes swords a lot. Right. Um, it was great. I mean, you know, also really nice people. I mean, look, we were all filming. I mean, uh, Better Call Saul and Hawkeye during the during the pandemic. So, I mean, it, it's it, it's hard, you know, it's hard to stay in your room the whole time and not. Uh, you know, rehearse with anybody and, 
you know, they, they, I, mean, I mean, it was just weird, you know, like, uh, you know, they call you, but you couldn't go to the set, but you had to have this. But then, you know, there's areas like it was so weird. But then on the other hand, you're grateful that you have work, you know, that like right now, I mean, especially then so many people, you know, forget about the fact that they don't have work. People died. And it's like, look, here I am doing what I love. I mean, yeah, the conditions are a little different, but I mean, at the end of the day, we're all working and we're all, you know, it worked out. Like, I think the Hawkeye thing, we really, it was right in the middle of the pandemic. And it was like, how is this going to work out? There were scenes where we weren't even, couldn't even like be in front of each other because of the masks and stuff. And, and someone couldn't get on a plane because, you know, there was a thing there in Canada. So they had to film from there. So they were, but you can't even tell when you see it. I mean, they really pulled it off. Very professionals. Yeah. It's it's pretty astounding. I mean, because there were some really amazing action scenes uh, in, in that series. And, and you would have never known that it was shot at the height of, of the pandemic. Not only that, like I said, there was a lot of scenes where like Haley was in one town. Jeremy was in another. Vera was in another city. And you're just doing shots of one person and then reacting to so nobody, to, you know, somebody else who's going to end up filming that later on in another studio somewhere else. And it's like, wow, man, this is weird. And you see it and it's like, it looks like everybody's in the same room. Yeah. I mean, some, this didn't happen all the time, but it happened a bunch of times. So what what does that do as as an actor? How does does that do you have to kind of be in a different mind space? How difficult is that to to sort of work with a acting partner who's not in the same room with you? It's weird, <laughs> very weird. It's very 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 weird. Vera and I talked about it a lot. She's like, so who am I talking to? What's her height? Where is she? Well, we're looking at a dot here, but um, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta adapt, and you gotta push on through. I mean, if you're doing a, you know, a movie with a, with a card, like I don't know, like one of these, this movie with Spike Jones, where the wild things are, you know, or I don't know, with, with somebody who's wearing a big, uh, you know, um, purple suit, because later on it's gonna become something else. You just gotta work with it, you know. You gotta, you gotta get into it, and you gotta make sure it, uh, it looks like you know what you're doing. And then that's got to be wild to, you know, watch the the show or the film for the first time, having no idea what it's going to look like. Oh, so that's who I was talking to. That's exactly. what, we, that's what oh, I was they looking were, at. They were running away? I, if I would have known that, maybe I would have raised my voice at the end or something, you know? It's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Well, you know, you, like you mentioned, uh, you know, you, you've done so much in, in the Spanish-speaking world, but you've been doing a lot more in the English-speaking productions as well. How do you sort of divide your time now? Is, is it sort of, uh, has it become more 50-50, or is it more English-language productions these days? Or what's, what sort of projects are you looking at and, and sort of being drawn to at the moment? Well, it's always been sort of the same for me. I mean, it's not that I'm looking for something in English or in Spanish. It's just that I'm looking for something that's good. You know, a good, a good, a good idea, a good script, a good team of collaborators you can work with, a good character to play that might be different to something that you know that I've already done before. So you kind of just are um, on the lookout for something that you can maybe sink sink your teeth into, and, and it'd be worth it. You know, I think that that's how. It, I mean, personally, that's how it works for me because 
if you start going for whatever's in front of you all the time, then you're just going to kind of go a different way that maybe you don't want to end up going. Because you could get typecast in a second and only be the big narco bad guy with a gun who's going to shoot people. And then that's it, you know, instead of saying, wait, let me, let me change it up. You know, the thing I did before Lalo was this character, Sonorada, when I was telling it from HBO. And it was, I mean, it was these six years of a very dark, serious, thin, you know, sort of decaying man. And that's also when, when Lalo, you know, presented himself to me, you know, with, with the casting and with everything. I said, we could really make this completely different. Just a guy who's all smiles, is all charm, is bigger than life. And, and I mean, a lot of people think that, that that's like the character that I would play. But if you see Senor Avila, it's completely different. And I mean, I'm kind of trying to do that as much as I can. I mean, even in, in the Hawkeye, he sort of has this sort of transatlantic pseudo-British accent. I mean, he's not a Mexican, you know? So, and it's like, you know, you're just kind of spreading your wings as much as you can to see, uh, see what else you can do that's interesting. You know? Yeah. It's all, it's all about the mustache too, right? That's uh, the... It is now. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be there for a while. It worked. If it's not broke, don't fix it. I was going to say, is that now part of the signature Tony Dalton style is, is the stash? Uh, Look, let me tell you something. I didn't have a mustache for 20 years in this business. I think maybe I can have for the next 20 years a mustache. So we'll see. Yeah, why not? Like, like you're saying, it's, it's working for you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, so I have six questions for you now, Tony. So you ready? Yep. So first off, what is the question that people ask you the most? And let's see if it's one that I have asked you already. Like in the streets, you mean? Yeah, or just in general. Like uh, They say, are you Tony Dalton? And what's What's your answer? Yes. (laughs) What do they want to... What do they want to talk to you about the most? I mean, I guess it obviously is, depends on where you are. No, there's so many things. I've been doing this for a while. Some people are stuck on a show I did a long time ago called Simuladores. Other people better call Saul. It's just, it doesn't happen a lot for the better call Saul or for the Marvel thing in Mexico. It's mostly about things that I've been doing. I mean, I've been doing this for a while now, from other years. I guess in the States, but I haven't been in the States uh, very much. So I don't know. I did go to LA and I went to a restaurant and. I ordered a margarita, and then when I finished it, they brought another margarita, and they said, this one's on us, Mr. Salamanca. (laughs) Okay, that's cool. (laughs) Thanks. Um, The TV show in history that you wish you would have been a part of, is there a classic show you adore that uh, you're like, that would have been fun to have been a part of? Yeah, I guess The Wire. I really like that show. It would have been fun to be a character in The Wire. Because, I mean, I can still watch that show. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's good TV, man. It's really good TV. Absolutely. That's great. Um, what would uh, people be surprised that uh, you do watch? Do you have a guilty TV pleasure? Any any reality shows or anything that you uh, like to sneak in every once in a while? No, I don't really watch a lot of TV. I mean, I watch documentaries and stuff like that. Maybe some movies, but I just try to stay away from fiction i mean i do it for a living so just try to not watch that much so no i try not to watch something that's going to waste my time i mean if i'm already sitting in front of a tv or something might as well make it good you know yeah um what hobby would you be doing if you didn't have your day job um what hobby would i be doing i think i'd be surfing 
You'd be surfing? Yeah. Yeah? Do you do a lot of surfing? Well, I mean, not as much as I'd like to, but if I wouldn't do that, I would definitely do that for a living. Yeah. Good exercise. I love it. And uh, I'd love to do it more, but, you know, I mean, it just doesn't happen sometimes. Where's your favorite place to catch a wave? Well, in Mexico, there's a whole bunch of places. I mean, down in on the Pacific, you go down to Cipolite and all that area with Puerto Escondido. And there's some really nice breaks out there. There's a place called La Bamba, which is nice. Another one called San Diego, which is nice. And there are just these beaches that you find there just driving from, you know, one town to the next. That sounds great. It sounds like you're uh, inviting us over. So we'll... Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, time. It's great over there. Man. It really is. Um, what's the one food uh, you, you, you can cook that you're really proud of? Spaghetti yeah. bolognese. Yeah? Yeah. Got to make a mean bolognese. Nice. And finally, yeah. besides yourself, campaign for someone else this Emmy season. Give, give me uh, so, someone you're rooting for this Emmy season. It's in Seoul? Or anywhere. John Banks. If I'm rooting for somebody, I'm rooting yeah. for... Are you, are you talking about like TV? Yeah, yeah, for TV. Yeah, yeah, John Banks, man. Banks. He's my hero. John Banks is the coolest guy you're ever going to meet. That's Tony Dalton, who plays Lalo on Better Call Saul, currently airing the first half of its final season on AMC. You can also catch him on this year's Hawkeye, now streaming on Disney+. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. Oh,